0: Welcome to Eventually Super Train, episode 104. I'm your host, Dan, and this is a short-lived TV show podcast. We cover uh, short-lived TV shows that never got enough love. Eventually, we will cover Super Train. Uh, We go through these shows, three shows at a time, one episode at a time. And in this episode, myself and my friend Amy the Conqueror, in our first segment, will be discussing the second episode of the live-action Planet of the Apes. Then Mitchell Hadley and myself will be discussing episode 5 of 1972's search bianco's back and then my sweet wife madeline and myself will be discussing episode three of the seeing detective aired 1986 lovely days and so without further ado let us hop right in ape talk with amy and dan listen to this Now that was the theme, or a uh, good portion of the opening theme for *Planet of the Apes*. Yeah. Today we're on uh, second episode, September twentieth, nineteen seventy-four, *The Gladiators*, written by Art Wallace and uh, directed by Don McDougal. Uh, we we don't mention this in the um, in our discussion, but I'd I read that the original two episodes of this were written by or proposed, by, I think they're written by um, Rod Serling, which is pretty astounding, and I'm sad they. Didn't use them. You would think he'd be the one to use, since he co-wrote the uh, *Planet of the Apes* screenplay. But Art, Art Wallace had been around for a long time writing, and his um, one of his big pop culture claims to fame is he, uh, you know, Dan Curtis came up with the idea for *Dark Shadows* and gave it to Art Wallace to develop, and like the first, I don't know, well, the, like the first episode of Dark Shadows is written by Aaron Wallace. And so, like, the first eight weeks or so of the show is him alternating with another guy, writing all the episodes. So he was right there at the beginning of Dark Shadows. Not during the really popular part of Dark Shadows with Barnabas and, and all the other stuff going on, but he was the one who who did the initial writing. So he's got the first uh, two episodes of this show here. I'm betting this is probably the only ones he, he writes. Maybe he was a developer kind of guy. I, I don't know. But anyways... um let's see, in this one uh, there is a, we'll talk about this in our discussion uh, there's like this this disc that they have and uh, that they've taken from the city they were in the previous episode and they're, you know, the guys they're out wandering and it's again it's, um was it, it's Galen and um, Colonel Allen is it Verdon and Major Peter Burke and they lose the disc, they see some people fighting, they lose the disc and they wind up uh, at a um, sort of a village run by an ape, and uh, with a bunch of humans doing a lot of the, you know, obviously doing a lot of the labor and stuff at it, and, and the head, the head ape there has the disk. So Galen tries to go, in, go in and get the disk, while the two guys, the two, two humans, kind of uh, mingle with with the humans, with with the the humans in the place. And what they learn is that yeah, that these guys they encountered who were fighting are gladiators. And one of the things the ape who runs this community. Does is he has um, humans fight to the death, and he he does that, and Dave doesn't seem like a bad guy, but he does that specifically because it gets everyone's aggressions out, and they yell and they scream and they have a great time, and then they calm down again and get back to work. And, basically, there's a guy played by William Smith who's training his son, played by Mark Singer. There you go. And, um, uh, William Smith's character is a gladiator who has always been victorious for ages and ages and ages. And, of course, that means, obviously, he's going to come up against one of our guys soon. So, it's sort of um, violence, fighting, learning lessons, this, that, and the other thing is the, the major major uh, course of this episode and uh, well, one, one thing before I hop to Amy and myself talking in the beginning, the the spaceship leaves on August 19th 1980 and the it arrives on Ape Earth June 14th
1: 3085
0: Alright, the Gladiators, Planet of the Apes Episode 2, live action Planet of the Apes, by the way I had some people last time get very angry because they went out and they purchased the animated series on DVD, and now they want me to refund them. That's not the way Eventually Super Trade works, folks. Pay attention. We're doing live action. Maybe in the future. Maybe in the future we will cover the animated series too. That would be fun, I would bet. Um, uh, with the animated series having much, uh, because it's animated, have, it could have a much broader palette of what it could do, but maybe a little less sort of human As it were, (laughs) human and ape, as it were, then the the I don't know, I don't know, but um, regardless of what it is I'm talking about, I want to introduce my co-host for Planet of the Apes, um, the great Amy the Conqueror. Amy, how are you?
2: I'm doing well, Dan. How are you?
0: Doing okay. Um, I'm excited to see because, like like we said last time, the first episode of this show is a very, I think, I think, good intro or reintro to the universe. Of the the ape verse, I don't know what do they call it. Yes. Uh, I, I, yeah, that works for me. Um, so, um, so what what did you think of the of the the the, the um, you know the the um, uh, tricky uh, second album as it were, the the Gladiator? What did you think <laughs> of this one?
2: I thought this was a fun episode. Um, I got to be honest, I love the guest stars because having um, William Smith and Mark Singer as a father and son duo was um, pretty fantastic. That in That is my something. Opinion. <laughs> I would never peg those two as father and son But, you know, and the whole gladiator You know, they have like a a thunderdome thing kind of going on Um, And we meet another chimp Which chimps are few and far between So far in this, um, this series, there seems to be a lot of gorillas The gorillas are more the military and you know, I don't know what kind of society I guess they're trying to portray there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I thought this episode was really fun. Um, more action, like I said, there's there's fights and there's you know Mark Singer and William Smith. So that's,
0: <laughs> sometimes that's all you need. <laughs> um, I uh,
2: well, I just watched. Um, oh please, please Kolchak over the weekend. This and I was like, this has got to be fake. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh, um, I, um, I like this episode, and, and and one one of the reasons why I like it is it, it's written by the same guy who wrote the first one, um, which you did you didn't really see a lot of that in shows like this at this time, um, like uh, uh, Leslie Stevens for example over on Search, uh, he wrote a lot of the episodes of that show, but a lot of times with stuff like this, you know, someone would create it. Maybe write the first episode, and then kind of go in the background, and other random people would write. But this one and the previous one were written by the same guy, and it has sort of the same feel to it. It almost it almost feels to me like a um, it could have been like maybe a two hour pilot that where the where the, where the first hour is setting everything up, and then the second hour of it would begin with them sort of beginning. Uh, to be on the run and then sort of segueing into the their first adventure that they have. Uh, because right. I, the, the, the interesting thing about the episode sort of the way it's written is maybe for the first 15 or 20 minutes or so until they really sort of get into the gladiator aspect of it, it, it is, the focus is sort of more on our gang of, of, of fugitives than it is anyone else. But then gradually as the episode goes along it becomes more about the people in this village and and the head guy, the head chimp and um uh and the prefect. And, yes, the prefect, yes. And and what he's been doing with the village to keep the humans under control. So it so it um in one respect it almost it almost felt a bit structure wise, it almost felt a bit like the um the uh, initial three hour um Battlestar Galactica from nineteen seventy eight, the T V movie. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yes. Okay. You you know the way that starts off with I believe it's like they're they're going to sign a peace treaty with the the Cylons and they attack Caprica and destroy it and all the Battle Stars except Galactica and Galactica gets out of there on the run with all these refugees on it and if if you watch it, um, well in the theatrical version or the or the or like without commercials version on like Blu Ray or DVD, um, uh, it's it's very lengthy. It's over two hours. And right. it, kind of, it kind of segues from being this kind of epic story about this um, almost arc-like ship trying to survive with all these people on it. And in the, in the, like the third act, it suddenly becomes this weird thing about where they land on this planet for some reason or other that's kind of like this disco casino planet. <laughs> yeah. And, and there are these women with like four eyes or two faces singing and... Everyone's playing like space bingo or something. I don't know what they're doing, you know, <laughs> but but like people are like getting in elevators, pardon me, and going down to like the basement and something's in the basement. And you know, so it's this weird thing where like for the first because you know Battlestar Galactica is is, is going to have like individual episodes telling individual stories, but it's going to have an overarching thing of trying to find Earth. But the, if you watch that first three-hour-long thing, it segues from this kind of epic thing to this kind of more... I, I, well, what's kind of silly. But but this more, like, individual, like, stand-alone episode. Right. Right. And this, this, if you watch these first two episodes in a row, it kind of does that, where they land there, you get all this stuff about the way the world is now, all this stuff about the society. And then by... Um, two-thirds of the way-ish, maybe, yeah, about two-thirds of the way into it, suddenly it becomes a story about this one specific village and the way they deal with the society of the world and that they're gladiators and, you know, the, the people who fight and, you know, dealing with the humans. And it's, it's kind of, it goes from, it goes from sort of this epic and then it's able to bring itself in quite, Quite well, I think. In Planet of the Apes, the Battle Galactica is fun, but it's a little ifier, um, especially when they, when they hit that. I don't know why he chose like a wacky casino, wherever the hell it was. They end <laughs> up, um, but but this I, I just like the way it begins with like sort of this epic, like you know we're stranded here and we have to travel this ape-led world and find our way out. We know they're going to get involved in individual adventures, and this segues into a pretty good one. And I and I, and I I like that right. I like because because it doesn't because like a normal episode would probably like now I'm saying this having not watched other episodes but a normal episode I would imagine would start <laughs> off with them like like arriving somewhere immediately or maybe like you see something happen somewhere and then they arrive in that place kind of thing um, but this one is very for about oh geez for about fifteen minutes right. you know you, you it be, before it actually settles into this this storyline. And I, I kind of I kinda of like that. I, I um I thought it was I thought it's it's showing some faith I think in um in in the fact that people will hang with this universe for a bit. You know, they don't we could we kinda of meander a little bit before we settle in. And um if, because if you think of it too there there's certain like plot like one of the big plot elements is that Mark Singer, the son, to William Smith the dad um, uh, is you know he doesn't want to fight because his you learn that his mother was a pacifist and that's that's the sort of thing you really don't learn that until like there's 10 minutes left in the episode so that that, that, it's almost like a big but it's it's interesting because it's it's I I guess what I'm saying at the end of the day, and then I'll stop yakking, is I like the way they structure it. I like the way they go from this sort of big fugitive-style thing, and that's the way it is for about a third of the episode, and then it kind of becomes this more personal thing, where 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 the kind of the guys and Galen don't really have as much to do in the second half
1: mm-hmm.
0: as everyone else. It becomes more about William Smith and and the prefect and 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 Mark Singer, and right. um, I I, I, I kind of like that. I, I kind of like that.
2: Um, yeah, I did find that there was a, a pretty amusing um, scene with uh, Galen and the prefect where they're talking about, I don't know, it seemed like they were talking about artifacts, yes. um, and the prefect pulls out a golf club and <laughs> is saying how, you know, their <laughs> ancestors must have been good metal workers, but this isn't a very good um, weapon and things like that. I thought that was kind of cute, and, you know, yeah. it's... It, it made me giggle a little. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, that, that was that was a fun scene because you're gonna have. I think it, that's the kind of show you're gonna have stuff like that and yeah. um, they they pull out stuff and just um, random stuff that we go
2: <laughs> and yeah, way off on what that was used for. So. Yes. <laughs> but yes. how how would a, an ape three thousand yeah. years in the future yeah, exactly. know yes. that it was a golf club and not something used in battle? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: yes. Um, uh let's see. oh oh you know you know i um what, one thing i th- i found interesting or maybe it's just this, this weird thing where I, I didn't couldn't quite follow the timeline of like william smith has been the champion in these things for ages right and it's said that he was fighting when he met mark singers not the character not not you know <laughs> you know mark singers character's mom
2: right which
0: implies that he's been doing this for a long time
2: Well, I mean, Mark Singer looked older than, like, 16. Yes, (laughs) I don't know what age they were trying to play him off as. (laughs) (laughs) it's
0: it's (laughs) true. It's because then you think, um, surely, can can that still, I mean, how many years have people been going to this Thunderdome-style thing and just watching William Smith beat up someone and kill them?
2: Right. Over... Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that get old? And now all of a sudden... James Naughton comes in, and he's he's the one to take down William Smith. I find that highly unlikely. <laughs> that's, that's, he's an astronaut. Oh yeah, but he's, a, not a, he's not a gladiator. If this yes, guy's been doing this for twenty years, then yes. it seems like he should have taken him out pretty quick.
0: I would have thought so too. It's it's one of those fight scenes. It's one of those fight scenes where for about three quarters of it, William Smith is definitely winning. Right. But then all of a sudden, our astronaut friend somehow gets the upper hand. And William Smith, oh trooper that he always was. He um he really he really sells it when he's getting beaten up, yeah. but it's it's not one hundred percent convincing.
2: <laughs> uh, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and because he, he says, um, uh, you know, how many people have you killed? Every single person that I've fought.
2: And if they're he's, doing this like what, once a week. Yeah. I, that's, I mean you, you would think I mean
0: like you know I could you know um, you know how uh, oh okay um, uh, so, so something like say so let me this is this is gonna sound strange but I only do this briefly Jack Benny now I know I don't think Jack Benny ever killed anyone but from like <laughs> 1932 on the radio to like 1960 I, I'm, forgive me if I've got the sort like 1962 or 1963 on TV for 30 years people tuned into him one way or another. They even went to see his movies and things. Um, uh, Once a week, they would tune into him. And he'd show up, and he'd do the same shtick over and over again every week. And generally, it was really amusing, and it was lots of fun. And, you know, and and people loved that. But, you know, after a time, people were like, we're going to move on to something else. Certainly, the the shtick of William Smith coming out there and killing someone... Presumably, I mean, is he ki- is he killing villagers? I mean, I'd be pretty pissed. I mean, because yeah. it's, it's
2: or how many people are wandering through that they're, <laughs> yes. they're just picking off random humans? You know
0: exactly. It's it's you know I, you know a movie I just thought of was the um and we we talked about this on podcast mania um the uh, the fourth um blind dead night of the sea
1: yeah. And that that's
0: the one where it's like it's, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get this wrong I'm gonna confuse this with the shot on video movie five five five. But it's like every five years or something, like they kill like sacrifice like three virgins, I'm making this up, I forget what the numbers were <laughs> from this village, and they make a point of saying like there are only a hundred people in this village and every ten years we kill three or four virgins. And it's like surely that must be problematic.
2: Yeah, that's going sort of mean, to cut down on the population.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. There's just <laughs> there's just something about the numbers that you know must have looked right when Amando was writing it, but then yeah. when they were actually saying it, just like say quickly, just say that quickly, just don't don't worry about it. Say that because I think I think I remember when we talked about that on podcast media. I think someone brought that up. You know, like does does this match this? This is a little weird, <laughs> and th- this is this is kind of like that because it's like if it's just. Strangers pass if they're just relying on strangers passing through and yet the prefect wants there to be some sort of um you know like these to be regular things regular outlets for them yeah. to humans, surely you can't rely on strangers passing through
1: um, right
2: and it's also trying to keep people in line it seems so are they picking from how many people are in this village? Yes. didn't look that big even with their even in their arena it didn't look like there was enough people that they could be killing yes. one person a week yeah i
0: mean it looked like the extras are doing their best there's a really good bunch of extras in this one. Yes. They are really they are really going for it um yeah but i mean i don't know how many people you'd say there are maybe 50 or something i don't, I don't know that just i i'm really bad at guessing like
2: crowds no, man, um, that sounds about right to me. You know, and, and so you think, That was like, one of those things I just kind of let go. Like, yeah, okay. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how old they're they're expecting us to believe Mark Singer is. Because he True. seemed childlike. And then yeah. when the prefect was like, oh, it's your turn to fight. And then his father's like, no, he's got a tummy ache, basically. <laughs> yes, you know? He did, he did say that. And I thought that
0: was like – I thought that was – I thought that was – there was a laugh track was going to go off or something. Yeah, I didn't exactly, know what the was
2: like, – He's, he's got a stomachache, so he can't fight. That's
0: okay. Don't let my son fight. Could you imagine, like, oh, Emperor Nero, I can't. My son, <laughs> he's got, oh, you know, he's got the tummy yeah. today. Can he not? Can he fight tomorrow in front of the uh, lions and <laughs> right. the huge crowd? And,
2: I mean, he's the Beastmaster, so he's clearly, exactly. you know, exactly. he's ready for a fight.
0: <laughs> he's ready to go. I don't, I don't think, you know, it's not going to, you know, it's it's... it's you know, it's just, just, you know, and if it's if it's nerves, I can tell you, you know, having done improv and things on stage, you know, I've had many times before I've been on stage where my stomach just like went on me.
1: Oh sure, but the,
0: that happens. That happens. You go out, and you do it, and when you're out there, you for, you forget about it. I mean, right. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever been out there. <coughs> pardon me, like on a stage in front of a crowd, doing something where I was like, hey, hey, everybody. Oh, it's like a storm, <laughs> like a storm raging inside me. Oh no! You know, I've I never had that. That's that's never been a thing. So, but I do like that. Don't, please, don't make my hot young son yeah. go and fight in this, yeah. <laughs> because he's got a tummy ache. Yeah. He's like,
2: <laughs> wait, how old is this guy? Yes, exactly. He has Gotta be twenty something in this in this show. I like I... the, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, and the, the prefect is sort of like, okay.
2: <laughs> humans, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he wasn't exactly a bad guy, the prefect. Oh. I, I mean, he wasn't a great guy for having no. this whole, you know, like I said, Thunderdome thing every week. But mm. he, you know, lets him go at the end with like, yes. okay, you didn't know me. I don't know you. Let's move yeah. on. We've never met. Here's your little disky thing that they think is yes, so important. That thing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, which I guess we didn't mention
0: in the last we, episode no we didn't let's <laughs> let's mention the um let's mention the uh, the, the, the uh, well let me just say I'll say one last thing about the prefect the thing I like about him is that in a in a the world that he's in where all prehistory and didn't I think Zaya said it in the last one is that not only do they not sort of um uh like the memory of what humans did to the planet to the few who know what the humans did to the planet because most people do, most people and apes and, and chimps and girls, they don't know what happened. And it's being kept from them and if they find out, though, they're, they're they're killed. But Zaya says something on the lines of like, yeah, we know, We uh, a few of us know what you did and we don't want to know what you did. In fact, we don't even want the memory of what you did here. Mm-hmm. And, and so I like the prefect being someone who's put in charge and... Um, He's, he, he, he doesn't know the history. He just knows that these humans they get out of hand sometimes, and they like watching violent stuff. Hey, like video nasties or something like right. that. You know, they <laughs> like watching violent stuff. And so he's going to provide that for them. Is it over the top having someone killed at the end of them? Everyone? Yes, but he doesn't know. And so he's, he's doing what he sees seems to have worked to keep everyone working and happy. I would have preferred if maybe they had done some, you know, a f- couple plays or something. Surely there must be a playwright and a playwright right. <laughs> that everyone loves or something, you know.
2: Well, but, the prefect uh, mentioned, you know, that humans, you put them in a room and give them paints and brushes, they'll eventually paint masterpieces. Yeah. Isn't that what they say about monkeys and Shakespeare? So yes, Hamlet, Why wouldn't yeah. they have them do yes. things like that if he actually believed that? You, you, know? you
0: wonder, yeah, you wonder if maybe at the start he tried, like, arts and crafts classes. And maybe, like, <laughs> William Smith was there with someone, you know, maybe Fred Williamson or something, and they got in a big fight. And, then they, and, and the moment they got in a fight, everyone who was kind of iffy on, like, the arts and crafts and, you know, sticking macaroni to, to paper <laughs> really got excited. And he was like, wait oh, a minute.
2: I, I wish see. someone had written that episode
0: that would be fantastic. I'd write that one down. I think we came up with about a hundred alternate voyagers episodes, yeah, this, if I remember correctly.
2: More fan fiction going with
0: <laughs> this is the fan, this is the fan that like yeah like they need more um, apes plant fan fiction. I imagine there is so much of it. I don't even know.
2: But um, that that's a good idea. I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so so oh, so let let us. Um, uh, uh, Did you have anything else on this one? Because I think I've kind of gone through what I have here.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, I think we covered it.
0: Okay, so let's just do let's just do two quick things. One is let's just talk about that disc. Would you like uh, to talk yeah. about the disc, please?
2: Um. Okay. In the first episode, they where they when they crashed. Um, Alan, the more I guess I don't know exactly what their jobs were actually on. Um, he gets a
0: little vague. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, but Astronaut. he seems pretty obsessed uh, about getting this little disc off the ship that crash so that they have the information of how they got there and where they are and how to get back basically by reversing it using this tiny little metal disc. Um, and that seems to be a big focus for them, for him at least, but for Galen and Peter, they're kind of like, uh, yeah, well, where are you going to get a computer? Yes. How are you going to get this to work? Um, but it seems to be why they get in trouble. <laughs> In the first yes. couple episodes. Yes, so yes. I, you know, the fact that we didn't mention it in the last episode, I apologize to everyone oh, listening.
0: No, <laughs> no maybe, maybe I'll do something. Uh, maybe I'll, if I'll go back to I'll re-edit something.
2: <laughs> so in this episode, Alan loses, it falls out of his pocket when they uh, run into William Smith and his son, Mark Singer. Um, initially at the beginning where they get into a little scuffle, um... The disc falls out of his pocket, and the prefect finds it and just figures it's uh, an artifact and takes it home. Um, and then Galen strikes up a, a friendship with the, the prefect to try to get this, this artifact back. And at the end of the episode, um, basically the prefect's like, "Here, take it. You know, you should have yeah. told me that in the beginning." But <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> you know, we still don't know um, where it's going with that. That yes. whole thing, I
0: think. I think. Yeah, that's just sort of the. It's it's probably going to be pretty MacGuffin-y I think, but yeah. um, it's it it is something to sort of at least one of them to hang their hat on, and you, you do get the um, you you do get the thing between the two astronauts where you get now. I wrote down I have their last names written down, but Alan is the blonde guy, and and Peter is uh, Mr. Naughton. Is that yep. correct? Yep. Okay. So and and this we mentioned this briefly in the last one, but you get a lot of it in this one where Alan is is like doing something where he's like, You know what, I think if we try to find our way to a city uh, maybe we can find some place where we can use this disc and try to find our way home. Ah, forget about it. It's not going to work. No, I think maybe if we could just if if not even a city, maybe we could just get to a place where there are a lot of people and maybe we could find something. What are you going to find? A computer? It's not going to work. Well, I was thinking that maybe if we wanted to get home, ah, and and that's their conversation goes on like that a lot.
2: Exactly. <laughs> and,
0: and you wonder, like I said last time, you wonder if the other guy, Jones, was the one who would get in between them at this point and say, guys, okay, back to your corners. Right. You know, everyone chill out, relax, you know, because yeah. there is there is very much a, um, the only thing I have to hang my hat on is that this might work. Ah, it's not going to work. Well, maybe if we can get it to the computer, where are you going to find a computer? Well, maybe we can get it to some people. Where are you going to find people who have not Could you please contribute something positive? Make your next statement a positive one.
2: Yeah. Now that you yeah. mention it, Peter does seem like a real downer. <laughs> he does. He, he almost, he's I'm, almost like I was a fan, but now I'm like, hmm. He's a jerk. Maybe not going to be around.
0: Well, he, the thing is, he could he could be the sort of the correct one here. And oh, and, well, Alan, and Alan, Alan could be the the crazy one who's just who's just clinging on to this this one small item. But it, it does it, it does remind me. And then and then we'll wrap this one up, folks. It reminds me. It seems like very much like um um like uh when when I'm on Twitter, occasionally I will get in a conversation with someone where I'll say something, and someone will come on just out of nowhere and go that doesn't work. <laughs> and then I'll say okay, well how about this? That doesn't work. Well, it works if you do this. People are going to do that. Well, how about if you do, and and then after like four times you go, okay, how about this? How about you contribute something positive? Right. You tell me. Step you down. tell me. Yeah. Yes, you you tell me what like like uh, Peter, you tell me what you think we should do to get ourselves back home. And if you don't think we can get ourselves back home, you tell me how we can make this our home. Because right now you're not helping
2: yeah he' he's not given any ideas. he's just kind of yes. yeah
0: he's being he's like nope that's not, not gonna
2: work. who cares about nope. the disc you, you know nope. and then literally has nothing to add. They're just gonna <laughs> wander aimlessly at least yeah at least Alan has a goal,
0: yeah, you know and at least the fugitive was looking for a one armed man, you know like <laughs> like who are you looking for you know the Hulk was lo- Bruce Banner or David Banner was looking for some kind of cure right. you know what are you what are you, if if you're not looking for some way to get home what what are you doing? Just, just go turn yourself in to a small village. Maybe someone will treat you with some clemency, and you can spend the rest of your life being a human in the Thunderdome.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: uh, yeah. that That's. Yeah. That's. That's. Oh. Uh, I, I, just. Just the final last thing. I do have it playing here, and we're in the Thunderdome, and the, pr- 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 the prefect there says to Galen. Um, as p- the prefect is getting everyone riled up He says, you know, g- I'm getting their thirst for blood going Because this is human nature And in Galen, who I like very much, leans in and says Not all humans yeah. like, and, and the, pre- and the, and the, and the prefect says, yes, all humans And this is how I get them to let off steam And, and there's, there's something about that where it's like We've we got a long way to go if we're going to overturn the society, apart from using a large nuclear bomb, which destroys everything. Right. So, uh, which, which I don't foresee being the ending. So so we got a long way to go. And it would be interesting if there was a point, I doubt there will be, where they would actually sit down and be like, here's what we have to do. Here's what we can try to accomplish. Because right now it just seems like we're running. And um, it's not bad. We're still at the beginning. Right. But I would, I would love to see... Just because five huge films have come before this so this isn't like a brand new world to, to see something a little more concrete would be interesting but i don't know that it will happen right <laughs> so so um that that is the gladiators episode two planet of the apes and this episode has made me clap my hands a lot i don't know if you guys could hear that it's a, i'll try to edit that out but it won't work because i'm clapping and talking at the same time that ain't working so um amy where can we find you online what are you up to
2: uh, you can find me on Instagram at Amy underscore the underscore Conqueror.
3: Excellent.
0: Okay, that is Episode 2, Gladiators, and now we are going to go on to this. <laughs> Search episode five: Live Men Tell Tales, directed by Mark Daniels, written by Irving Perlberg, October eleventh, nineteen seventy-two. Uh, this is a Bianco episode, and uh, a friend of his, who's a fellow probe agent, had been killed while um, uh, investigating a case, and Bianco is sent to um, give his wife the bad news, and then he is sent to investigate um, what the uh, what his his friend had been investigating. a sort of an organized crime thing and bad stuff going on. He meets a woman who turns out to be the lover of his friend, the probe agent. The wife learns about it and then she shows up and all heck breaks loose. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Uh, I won't go too far into there because Mitchell and I cover pretty heavily but that's the basics of it. He's, he's investigating sort of an organized crime. Thingy and also trying to uh, find out how, what exactly happened to this friend of his uh, who has been fooling around with this nice lady who may not be so nice okay well, i'm going to give you a little blast, and so we 're going to dive right in. here we go Mitchell's on the other side of this one, two, three Live men tell tales all right everyone. you got the uh that was the plot breakdown you just heard for this one, episode five. Let me introduce uh, someone who's joined me for this. You may know who it is. I'm not going to tell you, but can you guess, a, would you would you step forward and say something, sir?
4: Enter and sign in, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's Mitchell Hadley, everyone. Did you
4: get it? Did you get it? Hey! Um,
0: Mitchell, how are you? What's happening, sir? So-
4: Oh, I'm doing well dan i'm uh i i um for our listeners out there at the time of recording, we're just coming through about a twenty below zero cold Oof. spell here in Minnesota so if you're you know if you're listening to this sometime in July or August <laughs> and the temperature is in the eighties or nineties, we're cold. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not as bad here. When I where I am in LA, we um we got some cool evenings, but the days are
1: eh,
0: eh, we kind of go all over the place at this time of year. So um let me let me ask you be honest, what did you yes. think of Irving Perlberg? He's the guy who wrote the script. Irving Perlberg's Live Men Tell Tales.
4: It was it was okay, maybe a bit better than okay, but the, there was the potential for a certain predictability here. And they, there is one very good thing at near the beginning. Uh, we know that a probe agent is dead, and it was a, a probe agent who was one of Bianco's friends. And so the stage is set for a possible revenge tale. And, you know, no, there's no good series that doesn't at least once have a this is personal type of episode. And so th- the potential exists, but very wisely, they don't overply that hand. They don't really give us a Bianca who's out to settle the score. He pays his respects to the... Um, widow, the wife had the potential to be getting into one of these don't try this at home Mm. type of scenarios because she's determined to help the investigation, and what it really proves is the dangers of having an amateur working with a professional.
0: I would say it's it's my thought in the episode, which is is that I've seen the show all the way through a couple times. And when I got to this one and it started, I didn't remember it at all, which, hmm. I thought, which I thought was weird because I remember most of them. And so I watch it and I think the problem I have with this episode is that I think it's almost great. I think the thought when I got to the end is this feels almost like the first part of something or like the first... Half of a James Bond film, or something, you know, yes. or like, you know, yeah. You know, I, I was gonna think. Imagine. No, I'm not gonna. This is. I don't know that this is anyone's favorite James Bond film, but it's one I enjoy. Octopussy. So that was. I like that one too. I like that one too. I think the only problem I, the problem I have with Octopussy is that the the sequence with the train and the bomb is really really good. So when they attack Louis Jourdan's home, it seems mm-hmm. anticlimactic to me. It seems like they're kind of like.
4: Eh. I, I think I've always yeah. thought that. Um, I know exactly what you mean.
0: And and well, and, so Octopussy begins, and you see the clown, who's a double O, double o agent, with a Faberge mm-hmm. agony gets killed. So um, uh, uh, Bond begins to investigate. And so he begins to investigate, try to find out what this Fabergé egg is, meets Louis Jourdan, meets Maud Adams' octopusy character, meets all these other things, gets in a couple action sequences. And imagine if there was... And there's a sequence in it, I forget when it happens, where he, like, finds a place where all these eggs are. And he begins to sort of figure out what's going on. And it's maybe halfway into the film. I, I honestly I don't remember exactly when it is. But imagine if, like, at that point... Instead of saying, okay, now he found out what that was, but it's going to build from here, and we're going to get this crazy, like, half hour long chase sequence on a train, and then this final sequence, and this, 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 um, uh, the circus, and it's going to be incredible. Imagine if the moment he found out what the Faberge egg is, he immediately went out and arrested Maud Adams and Louis Jordan and it ended. That's sort of what this is like.
4: Yeah. It, it, it yeah. Kind
0: of, it kind of has a feeling like. He's he's going to discover something big is going on. And he meets a bunch of people and he meets this lady and she's having an affair with the probe agent. The probation, agent, he may or may not be alive, and there's this other guy, and all this stuff is going on. Then you meet these guys who are these bad guys who are actually one step away from being get smart villains, I thought. But they're they're they're, <laughs> they're kinda they're kind of these bad guys and it's building and building and then you kind of get to a point where it sort of ends. And yeah, you think yeah. I I feel like there was something bigger going on here this 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 doesn't feel like uh like the last few episodes that kind of almost not quite epic that's not the word I want you know but but I didn't it didn't feel as big it felt smaller and it felt like it should have expanded in the end but it, it doesn't it just ends with a quick fight scene in a warehouse and everybody laughs i i don't actually remember how it ends I know, i'm imagining <laughs> everyone looking at the camera and laughing at a joke you know but oh no it doesn't because the one lady goes away with cameron and then yeah that's right uh, yeah. which is which is close to everyone laughing but uh but it does except have, bianco exactly yeah and so mm-hmm. that that's the problem i have with the episode is that it it feels like it's about to become something big, but then it turns out to be just this kind of goofy guy in this warehouse with this wacky scientist and his truth serums and stuff like that, and you're like, huh, oh, where did this go? Why, why did, is it going to go to... and then it ends.
4: Yeah, so, you know, I remember distinctly in, in watching this for the first time, thinking to myself that, well, this is interesting, because as, as we know, Bianco is the organized crime expert. And so that's why he's been called into this. This isn't really spy stuff. It's organized crime and about the idea of trying to form an international crime cartel. And it's it really, speaking of Bond, it really is intriguing to think of Uh, Any of these groups, Thrush or Spectre or -hmm. or any of these alphabet groups, (laughs) think of them not in terms of being these uh, megalomaniacal uh, guys trying to conquer the world. Think of them as frank nitty or al yes. capone mm-hmm. and and that that gives a whole different perspective to it or, or think of them as bill gates for that matter yes. i mean who <laughs> yeah. knew who knew yeah. that they yeah. were anticipating this but it, 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 so it is a very intriguing thought and it's one that doesn't have to be overseas it could have happened anywhere in the united states for mm-hmm. that matter but um the, the The other thing I think that is interesting has the potential, I suppose. I've I've mentioned how um, the the widow, who's not a widow is uh, trying to is, is getting involved. She wants to get her husband back. She has more or less decided that yes, he, he the reason he faked his own death, is because he is having an affair with this other woman and she's going over there to win him back. Yes. Now the that raises the question really going on, or is there something more nefarious mm. about it? And and that's a that's a brilliant type of setup where you yes. it's it's reminiscent of things like the spy who came in from the cold because you've got somebody who may be a double agent, maybe a double double agent. Mm-hmm. Um we don't we don't really know for a while who he's working for mm-hmm. and the fact the fact that she is involved in it for purely personal reasons regardless yes. of what he's doing it's almost like the idea that she's saying that i don't care if he is betraying probe the the love of a good woman could bring him back into the fold <laughs> It's it's
0: it's weird. Like the the episode, I, I don't find it satisfying, really satisfying when you get to the end of it. But there are things like the fact that that segment of it is is such a big big segment where you know there's this what's going on and this is this probe agent dead or not and there's this woman the mistress and what side is she on and then there's this great plotline about the wife just being like you know mm-hmm. she see, she happens to be in probe and she sees you know the woman Seda You know Bianco? Yep. I was. You know, I was. You know, we're lovers, and she immediately is like, "Get on that plane and go to Paris. I'm going to get my husband back." And there's something there. There is something intriguing about that idea too. Like like you said, sort of running alongside this big organized crime cartel craziness and these hitmen with great mustaches and things. You you get this sort of very personal, like, (laughs) "I'm going to get my husband back." i don't care if he's sleeping with madahari or whatever i'm getting him back because he's my guy
4: well, and you know the, the, something about that scene that i really liked i'm not first of all though i'm I, i'm not sure they they so she's in probe control and she sees the raw footage as it were the live unscreened conversation that they're having I'm having an affair with him and that's why this all happened. You first of all you see Cam react with something approaching horror that yes. he has he the 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 sudden realization that he has completely I don't want to say botched, but he has, uh, Oops. yeah, yeah he, he, that's exactly it. Oops. Um, the, the, he, he has not handled this well because, and I can't help but think that someone who is in control as much as Cameron tends to be, I can't imagine in real life that he would have brought her in mm-hmm. unless he already knew what the answer was. Oh, mm-hmm. But having said that, the scope of his miscalculation in this and seeing the way she reacts to it and the way everybody else reacts to it, where they're all suddenly just a little embarrassed to be in yes. on this conversation, and at the same time, they they can they're almost hit from the sh- shock waves that she is sending off, reeling from what she has heard. It's uh, it's it's quite a nice little scene.
0: It, it, it is it is, and just because uh, the, the concept that these these folks this is what they watch all day, and they're trained to watch stuff mm-hmm. like this all day long, and then you know like when the wife of a deceased agent who they probably all worked with who maybe was with them in the trenches for some time you know or something like that you know comes in it's like oh we're so sorry we're so sorry please let's just just uh you know it's good and i do like her response when she looks around the room and goes this is really weird and cameron says i never really thought of it that way
4: yeah (laughs) which is which is a perfect response it's both ends this is this is about as close to to um, speechless as you'll ever see him. Yes, yeah, he's so unflappable ninety percent of the time. Yes. But this one really throws him.
0: Mm, and and just the the fact that it's like you know he, he, I'm never you know I never invite people in here like this, but I thought you know maybe we just invite her in for a moment since her husband passed, and oh yeah, that's Bianco, and he's talking
4: to this woman. We were lovers. Oh.
1: Oh,
0: come on. Really? The one time?
4: And somewhere in the back of his mind, he's thinking, and this is why <laughs> can... I don't bring anybody from outside in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looked like the penguin that just had Batman yes. rise from the grave. <laughs> yes, <you know>? <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> he, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could actually see him. Sometimes. I was, I was watching a Batman the other day, the one where um he he has his own restaurant. And he keeps keeps trying to get arrested, and because he has everyone, everyone wrote down their orders, and so he's trying to get arrested so he can get put in prison with, like, some guy who can forge everything. But, like, finally, at the end of episode two, when he does get arrested, he's being let in as the guy's being let out on parole, and it's like, that's the same face. He's making the same face. Yeah. uh, but it's what I think the thing this is one of those episodes and I think this is what makes it a good show is that overall I found the episode kind of unsatisfying and I, I felt like it didn't quite um, achieve sort of its full potential but there are enough lovely moments in it to make it a, a good episode not a yes. great episode not a great episode but a good uh, episode there's enough and stuff a, and happening.
4: still entertaining. Yes, and that's that's uh, in a way that's even more important because mm-hmm. does it keep you entertained for sixty minutes? Do you turn it off without thinking to yourself? There's an hour that I'm never going to get back again. <laughs> yeah. And and th- this uh, it it isn't as good as you might want it to be, but it still satisfies.
0: Yes, yes, and they, and they're they're trying something different mm-hmm. here with the the stakes are well, I mean the stakes are are fairly high, but they're they feel a a little lower in this this episode, um, and with the introduction of the wife, it's sort of doing something a little bit different. So you got yes. a, a shows. I mean, the show's going to try out stuff, and, and the show's going to do things, and not all of it works. Um, but uh, but the show, like I said, the show is good enough that um, uh, enough of it works to make it uh, worth uh, watching. Yes.
4: yes. So
0: um, and I just I just saw I, I had on here I saw the 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 fun uh, fight scene where he's in the bathroom. <laughs> and he does, a, he does almost a little Jackie Chan-style stuff where he's, like, wiping his hands with a paper towel, and these two guys stand on either side of him, and he's, like, he looks at one of them and smiles, and looks at the other one and smiles, and then he's looking at the other one, he throws the paper towel in the face of the other guy and gives him a punch, and then punches the other guy and smacks their heads together, which looks a little painful, even though you can't yes, quite see it. Could um,
4: feel, I, I yeah. could feel that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that really, that, that, that has... The, the, so stylish, you know. It's a, <laughs> yes. And then he fixes his
0: tie right at the yeah, end of it. Like,
4: yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't expect I wouldn't expect Bianco to approach the approach it any other way. Yes, that yes. that has Tony Franciosa written all over. It. Yeah. Perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> it's,
0: and there's there's even a moment, moment too where, uh, you know, he's good fighting there, and there, there's a moment where um he's in where they in Paris or wherever it is they're in. I forget no they're not in Paris where are they at the beginning at the at the very be- i I lost track of where uh, they are wherever I they are have
4: the, as well
0: <laughs> wherever they are at the beginning um there's a scene where um the camera is kind of like looking onto a street uh, a walk more or less a walking street uh, you know not for cars and these two lovely young ladies in tiny skirts walk up to us and they begin to go up Stairs in front of us, and the camera kind of follows their legs as they go up the steps, and if you look in the background you can see Tony Franciosa, uh, Bianco who's sitting behind this staircase drinking wine with this other agent, and you can see him just staring at the ladies,
1: and then the camera
0: kind of pans past the legs, and then you can see Bianco, now he's no longer staring at them he's talking to the guy, but there's, you know it's it's Tony, like we said, it's Tony Franciosa you know, it's mm-hmm. like, hey, hey, you know you gotta, you know, he's, yep. you know, he'll beat you up at a moment's notice, but if he likes you any question that's a good thing exactly so um, uh, what what does oh um, I'm gonna say one what else before I say to you what else you have <laughs> I do there is a great moment where um as Bianco is doing his thing with the with the lady there the, the lover of the of the um, what is his name
4: Kubica. I every time I heard his name all I could think of was Robert Kubica the Formula One driver <laughs> Because it's, I think it's spelled the same way, and nobody ever knew how to pronounce it, whether okay. it was Kubitsa or Kubitsa or whatever. So, however you choose to pronounce it is right.
0: I, I start. I, I've got the first half of the name written down, and then the my writing just tails off into a squiggle. <laughs> um, but I, I, there's a brief scene where I think the two guys who attack or who are like following um, uh, uh, Bianco around they get images of them standing by a newsstand and there's yeah. just a lovely like 2 or 3 minute long sequence where bianco isn't there but they're just, and he is well bianco you know the, yeah he obviously isn't there but you know he's not like standing by and it's just like the 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 agents in the, in the room like doing their business to try to identify who these guys are and there's a great moment where bianco says to the woman who's going to uh, pull up the photos you know, well, who do we want to uh, look at first? And she says, How about Mr. Mustache? <laughs> and he says, Yes. I thought, that, I'd like that. That's fun because that's the sort of silly thing you'd say in an office environment. Mm-hmm. You know, that we, we, we laughed at it. We, you know, I laughed at it when I heard it. You just laughed at it. You know, but, but it's the sort of thing, too, that like, you know, maybe if you weren't in that environment, you strolled into it, you'd think, What are they talking about? kind of thing. But it's, it's kind of a nice, um, you know, th- these, aren't, these aren't like automatons right. that Cameron yeah. runs, these are, these are people.
4: And I I just find those scenes fascinating where they're doing the facial identification and all these things that we've come to understand over the last few years. And you you know I was I was al- alive I was around when <laughs> this show was originally on. I was only twelve years old. I don't <laughs> I, I I don't remember having paid it a great deal of attention, but mm-hmm. I. I find myself frequently trying to put myself in the place of someone viewing this show when it is in first run, and what the reaction must have been to Mm. what they were doing. Yes, yes. Did people ever think that that would actually be?
0: Yeah, and, yeah, and I wonder too. Like, if if you ever got people who were like, um, who would go out in the world, and if like they like h- were hanging out with someone who had like a strange little necklace or ring on, they'd be sitting there thinking, "Am I being filmed?" And is Burgess Meredith on the other end? <laughs> or, you know, what is that? What is that you've got right there? And um, what, what 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 else do you have on this one? I'm just getting my notes.
4: Well, I think it's interesting that we haven't really talked about. Bianca that much because the it and and he is still the focal point of the episode but with all the different pieces that are in play it uh it it carries the episode through there are some uh things that happen at the end. Uh, that I won't give away because it gets to the bottom of the story. But you might find one of them to be kind of a cliché. You might find the rest of them to be very amusing, probably more amusing than Bianco found them. But uh, I think it it was, from what I can gather, a rare example of seeing him slightly flustered not quite knowing how to react at the end when uh, uh, he reacts to what he thinks is going to happen, only to find out that isn't what happens.
0: I, I will say something. Something I like about the episode is the um, the relationship between the We're Lovers lady and Bianco, especially the scene where he wakes up in the bed and she's like yeah. bringing him food and <laughs> stuff like that, and he just like. It, 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 like this is Tony Francioso this is Bianco, but he almost he almost looks like he's a baby or something for a little bit when he's in there. Mm-hmm. It's al- it's almost like he's a little he's a little flustered by what's going on <laughs> around him, and he he's he just like he just like missed something, you know, like what what happened Did I, I like missed the track or something. What what's going on here?
4: Yeah, he had uh, he had kind of a rough episode there in a couple <laughs> yes. of spots.
0: Yeah. And a lot of good, good stunting around with motorcycles and, and cars chasing him around, and it's Bianca, you know.
4: It is. It's his yeah. world. We just
0: <laughs> yeah. live in it. Live, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, do you have anything else on this one? Because i th- I think I'm, I think I'm done.
4: I, I think. think I am too.
0: Awesome. And um, this one does. I will say the last thing. This does have a bit of misdirection with a with you see a character in the opening minutes, Krishna Singh, I, I believe, uh, who's like a mob guy in Calcutta who gets killed. And then he's mentioned much later, but he's kind of like, he's a bit of misdirection because you think sort of like it's going to be about him, but then Mm -hmm. it's kind of not really. It's about what he represented in the people who killed him and that crazy mad scientist who when he's, they, the probe agents, they, um, they're, they're immune to all the truth serums. Well, you know what they're not immune to? Torture! Now they could be immune to torture. (laughs) We'll, we'll check it out. But, but so, so I'll just stop there and, um, that was a uh, live men tell tales mitchell where can we find you online
4: you can check me out at it's about tv.com updated uh, several times a week read all about uh, old tv guides old tv shows from an old tv viewer
0: <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> so that was uh that that was episode five and next up we got where are we doing oh operation Iceman, man a very different kind mm-hmm. of episode so i'm gonna i'm gonna um sign off here we're gonna hop on to we're gonna hop on to whatever's next i forgot it's something great i bet just bear with me listen to this Days, episode three of *The Singing Detective*, November thirtieth, nineteen eighty-six. Again, directed by John Emile and and written by Dennis Potter. As all the episodes are in this one, uh, Marlo is starting to get better. You can sort of tell by the way he's able to light his own cigarette. And the it's 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 a pretty pretty interesting episode. We'll, we'll go into it in detail here, but you get. Marlo in his bed getting a bit better interacting with the old guy George next to him and then you get the scene detective plot line which is kind of building a building where Benny is mad that the scene detective doesn't actually seem to be doing much but the detective says he's vamping until ready and they see um, a young woman who looks a lot like Marlo's mom a uh, young blonde woman hanging on underneath a street light uh, possibly singing, and then meanwhile Philip himself, young young Philip, is um, uh, leaving the Forest of Dean to go to London with his mom, leaving his dad behind because his dad can't leave the pit and the mom can't handle it anymore in the Forest of Dean, and the mom may or may not be having an affair with someone who looks like Binny. So I'm going to stop there. There's a lot going on, and and Madeline and I are going to dive into that heavily. Let me give you a blast of something. Clear your head, then we'll be on the other side talking lovely days. Lovely days. Hey everyone, I am here with the great and wonderful Madeline.
3: Hello, I'm having some oatmeal with blueberries. I'm having some... What are you
0: having? I'm having some poached eggs with a little tea, a coffee, I'm sorry. And I said tea because it's British. (laughs) You did. And I tried to sound more um, urbane than I am. Should we call
3: coffee tea from now
1: on?
0: Why not? We're having, we're both Mm, having some tea. My tea's so good. And uh, she's having some oatmeal and I'm having some, uh, oh, lovely... Some poachers. We're here to discuss lovely days and maybe have some hot gossip about the stars.
3: The stars. Breakfast
0: with Madeline and Dan. I feel <laughs> hot
3: like, gossip. I feel it's, like we're
0: back in the 1940s. It's like <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, I, I guess we'll. Um, I gave a very basic breakdown of the episode. Just just right off the top of your head. What what did you think of this one?
3: My first thought is, why did I just take a big bite of oatmeal?
0: I could talk for another moment while she's eating. As, as I said, we do have the three main plot lines. We got the singing detective story developing. We've got young Philip and what's happening in his life circa the war. Circa they're they're still in the war, so I think we're near the end of it though. So this is like 44 45. And then um uh Philip himself, 41-year-old Philip, 40 I forget what they say his age is. Oh, oh well that would be 10 20 30 40 50 year old Philip actually then right because it's 40 years later and he's st- 50 year old yeah. Philip um in the Your uh,
3: math is solid
0: yes <laughs> the- 10 plus
3: 40 equal 50.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In the, uh, yeah, Hot in the, in the ward. Gossip. Hot math gossip.
3: Do so, some more in the moment calculations. So, so
0: I'm going to have a little something to eat while you okay. discuss it.
3: Well, I thought this was a lovely episode. Oh. See what I did there? I do. With the title. Uh, but no, the, the story, the, uh, detective story and his real life get more and more enmeshed in this. It mm-hmm. makes me more and more want to read the detective story and see what that plot is. Yes. Throughout. Like how much of his life if any seeps into it but um particularly i the stuff about his childhood his his life as a child yes. philip was um i found very compelling and poignant and heartbreaking and yeah all those things yes How about you? What did you think
0: about it? I think the... Egg eater. (laughs) The interesting thing with this one is that uh, at near the end of the previous one, when he... he, I mean, the second episode, he was really his... uh, Philip, uh, 85, 86 Philip, um, was really... uh, He was at his worst. And so everything was going kind of screwy. Uh, Whereas in this one he's he's doing better he's 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 looking better i think he's feeling better and we'll talk about that in a moment um and so it's funny cuz cuz to me you you mentioned this right before we started there there isn't a lot in the hospital scenes in this one there's basically his talking with george mm-hmm. and the, the death of george which we will talk about in a moment and his brief scene with the um psychiatrist mm-hmm. As he's there in his moments of, of sort of solitude and silence in the hospital, if he's reciting the singing detective story to himself, the singing detective portion of it um, is is pretty, a straightforward ish in this. Yeah, a part, that's a,
3: true. It's, he's more lucid because his condition is improving. His mm-hmm. skin condition is improving, and so yes, all the the component parts are much more lucid or they're easier to track. There isn't. There is some. Overlap in terms of the people that we see Mm -hmm. in the stories, but the stories themselves make some more sense.
0: Yes, and it's it's interesting that the or I thought it was interesting. Well, we'll, I I I figure what we'll do for this one is we'll um we'll we'll start with we'll go section by section so we'll start off with let's start with Marlowe in the hospital Mm -hmm. then we'll do because there isn't as much of that then we'll do the singing detective there's probably about the same amount of Mm -hmm. the singing detective in that and then we'll do young Philip which is uh, kind of the bulk of the episode Mm -hmm. in some ways And, and it's interesting to me that as he's getting better in the bed his the, the scene detective stories is is taking on a bit of verve mm-hmm. is is becoming um, it's it's always actually been the most lucid part kind of of the, the of the things in the first two episodes because he's he's kind of reciting the the, the novel in his mm-hmm. head but and, the, and this one the thing that goes kind of nutty here and there is um, on occasion is uh, and it goes all non linear is his childhood stuff, which goes, which starts off at this point, and then it goes back to that point, and then it goes to this random point, yeah. and then it goes back, and it's just jumping all over and everything, like, his childhood is getting invaded by his present day.
3: Yes, and, and I, I found that very truthful, like, you know, the, the further you get from childhood, the more those memories pop up in chunks, or just, like, little bursts of, I'd forgotten that, you know, sledding trip with who I don't know if you actually take a trip to go sledding but you know you the, the, that day of sledding <laughs> yeah. with whoever I don't know
0: yeah and it just comes up to sort of a Proust style or otherwise yeah. kind of
3: especially those painful memories yes. you know they they can kind of punch through at times of quiet or
1: um, I,
0: I, th- I think and, and then I will get on to what I said we were going to how we we're going mm-hmm. to do this cause, but I I think one of the things I do love about this is that Philip is dealing with so much At the present moment, not only what his own problems, but the fact that, you know, the old crazy guy next to him is only there for a day or two and then dies and he thinks the bed is cursed and then Joanna Wally gives him another boop boop around the area and he has an issue, as it were.
3: (laughs) Yeah, gotta say, I mean, I'm not a medical professional, but should you ever be charged with greasing someone near...
0: The genitals. The genitals.
3: Uh, Our friends. Like, let's just say Idris Elba was tasked with greasing my cervix. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, no matter how ill I were, Yes, I think uh, there might be some certain physiological reactions yes. that might happen. So you, you might want to just not start there or just go gently. Yeah, you send you in... don't really get to see what happens, but boy, I was getting a little aroused. just watching yeah. her go at it. Like she was.
0: It's you know, it's like you send in Selma Diamond or Don Rickles. <laughs> hey, you hockey puck, What's up down there? Hey, it's like um Mitchell Hurwitz on that Portlandia. <laughs> But he's got carry up, he was in the, joke
3: gynecologist. and he was the
0: joke gynecologist. Hey, what's in here? An old cell phone. <laughs> huh? Do they make these anymore? Ooh, there's cobwebs down here. And then the, the punchline being when she gets the proper gynecologist, she says, "I I can't, I can't believe, believe I'm, I'm saying, saying this, this. <laughs> but I'd like the joke guy back, please." Um, and that's almost what it's like if you're if you're dealing with someone in that space. You know, uh, I, I, you know, I like the thought of maybe it being like, all right, I'm just gonna lift your genitals real quick.
3: I will say though, one woman's uh, Idris Selba is another woman's Don Rickles.
0: True, true, that's true. That's mm-hmm. we all have to decide on our own who we would like to do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, uh, and I forget there was there was a I had a point at the very start of this. Um, oh, oh yes, um, I, I like I like the this this sort of. The, the concept in this that um, as, yeah, as as his mind is trying to get better and better, it's also working through the detective story, which is how he keeps his sanity, but then there's something else that's coming at him, all these waves of things from when he was young that you can clearly see, and we'll talk about little Philip in a, in, a, in a moment, uh, that he clearly, like, I would say 75% of what happens, he doesn't, he has a look on his face like what is going on? Yeah. I have no way to process whatever this is I'm looking at mm-hmm. and it's it's 50 year old Marlo who's sitting there suddenly processing it in yeah. a haze as he's sick and and um, and it actually and at, at the end of the episode the um, and this happened in the first episode when all the all the people are on the bridge mm-hmm. in the ward looking down at the body but it happened he, he's been able to keep that out of his singing detective story until the end of this when his a woman who looks exactly like his mother, Shows up and is and is like in the is, detective story. in the detective story, and she shows up, and then she is she is um well I'm, we're spoiling everything here she's murdered, and it ends with him yelling he's going to find out who did this and who who and 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 get them, and when he yells it, to me it's it's a mix of not only the singing detective yelling it but Marlo himself yelling, you know whatever it is that's been going on in this episode that's been. Rifling through my memories like like some board temp ripping through a filing cabinet mm-hmm. or something like that. I'm gonna find out who's done this, and I'm gonna and we're gonna. I'm gonna try to make it right, mm. or, or 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 just save save, save somebody, mm-hmm. even if it's only me at the end of it. Uh, you know. Um, but uh, let's let's go let's go. we already okay. talked about Marlo a bit, so let's go. Marlowe, the mm-hmm. scenes with Marlowe in his hospital bed. I'm gonna have a sip of coffee or okay. tea.
3: Sorry, and then uh, and then we were gonna go to the singing detective himself. Yes,
1: who, yeah. the
3: singing detective story, and mm-hmm. so you talked about how his mom or the actress who plays his mom shows up mm-hmm. in that story. Um, I was thinking about that story that really no women stay in that story alive. The women who are in it either. Well, most of them are killed. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of an interesting mirror of what's going on and with his memories and with his life. Uh,
0: and 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 the picture of the the topless woman who looks yes. like his wife
3: mm-hmm.
0: is is it nineteen eighty five, eighty six wife mm-hmm. who everyone keeps stopping and looking at, referring to. And um, they have the, all of their own different ideas about what it is yeah. with Benny being the most. I I, probably the one who's right just saying it's just art it's art it's a painting you hang it on the wall but everyone else is like ooh this is very erotic this is whatever and um, yeah and the the, the detective yeah he gets he does get the long scene with Benny in in Benny's apartment Mm. where they discuss um, they have the the good money I'm paying you good money well you're why are you paying me money why you know why qualify it's money I don't know where it's been that's right and and you get him saying uh, you know like I'm just vamping until until ready, mm-hmm. and uh, and the um, and the uh, the the um, the two sinister guys are there, but we don't see them where they were last time. They're hiding in a different place, yeah. and it's the mom, as the Lily Marlene mm-hmm. uh, East German, um, who's
3: there to give him some information. Yes,
0: and and uh, so the seeing detective story goes kind of slowly along, and, and we um, learning That's, bits.
3: Of- it's really the one. One story where he, meaning uh, um, Marlowe as the singing detective, where he has sort of the most control and Mm. possession of himself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I found that interesting. Like he gave him, he made himself very calm and collected. And even when he doesn't know what he's doing, he knows what he's doing. Mm. Um, Eh. Not much at risk. Versus in the yes. other stories, he's so vulnerable, and he's yes,
0: exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like even when Benny reaches into a drawer and pulls out a gun at one point, he's, you never, you never think the seeing the tag, or I didn't think the no. seeing tag was going to hurt. No, no, no In a- fact,
3: he's so confident he turns his back on him and yes, walks he does. away, and it's yeah. like if you, you know. He knows, you know, yes, he, like he, he can see in all directions. He's, he's, uh, you know, and, not not omniscient, but he's, mm-hmm. you know, close to it.
0: And I mean, on, on more than one occasion, when I've written something, I've made myself the hero. The way I mean, well, I think sure. if you do, I think I think a lot of people do. I Think
3: maybe that's part of healing too, mm-hmm. of healing these pieces of you that feel very that,
4: uh, broken, broken and, and yeah.
3: vulnerable. Is well, here's how I'm going to approach it with humor and mm-hmm. with all the powers I wish I had. Yes,
0: exactly. And, and I'm oh, sorry.
3: No, that was it. I, I
0: and I I do honestly think when he goes out and he finds out the woman who gets shot and killed looks exactly like his mom, I do like I just said I do truly get the feeling that that's a moment when um uh the fiction begins to get away from him just a little bit. Yes. I I don't I don't cuz he says, look out the window. You'll see a young woman out there looking mm-hmm. up here. And when he sees it it looks I don't think he expected that to be part of his memory, no. and it's it's the um, the the sad thoughts he's having about the forties leaking into it. And th- this story, which is technically taking place in the forties, mm-hmm. was probably written in the eighties or something like that. And um, but but I, I like that that it's sort of leaking in there, and the the um, like it's it's a moment that uh, the sea, the scene that at that moment I. I am hoping that the singing detective can handle it because I don't know if Marlowe can. Yeah. So I would love it if the singing detective could solve this mystery. But I'm not sure that's the way it works.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I really liked what you said about him wanting to save someone. Mm. Uh, And I do get the sense he is really sad he couldn't save Lily. Yes. The character that his mom is playing in the story. Um,
0: He he didn't know the sinister guys were there or maybe he knew they were there and... and, um, there was just nothing he could yeah. do
3: it kind of felt to me too like him getting at, we'll move on to him as a child yes, next, yes, right yes, yeah so maybe this is a good segue i don't know yeah. i don't know from segway <laughs> that's a good segue. Uh, I, I, uh, but but how he's beginning to see in these childhood dreams maybe it's just me mm-hmm. but i felt like maybe he was starting to see as a you know, as a child, you don't see your parents the same way as you do when you grow up. And you yes. see that they're just people who are doing their best. Doing just, the
0: yeah, you don't get a manual. They're you know, just winging it. You, you know, on.
3: like it's, it's, it's a good thing you don't know that as a child because it's a terrifying <laughs> but very uh, yes. healing realization. So I, I got the sense having his mom there and not being able to protect her. He was kind of starting to see through these memories that his mom was also in a tremendous amount of pain yes. during the time that he's recollecting. Um, that she was really suffering and probably the child Philip wanted to save her and his dad Mm -hmm. and everybody around him
0: and there's something too about the uh the the episodes called lovely days and I think I think as as terrible as that time was in Britain to to a lot of folks there's a nostalgia Mm -hmm. for it the you know the stiff upper lip yeah you get you get that same thing if you listen to like um old-time radio and stuff from the 40s um with um in America for McGee and Molly and the Bob Hope show. You know, you get like, let's do it. Yeah. We're going to do it. But there were a lot of people that were in misery and there were a lot of people that weren't happy. So as the teacher who's played oh. by, I forget her name, but we love her. She's from, she's, <laughs> as time goes by. Yes. And uh, we, you, you know her, you know, her. I want to, we'll look her up next yeah. time because she's in the next episode. I noted so,
3: her name at the end of the episode. Yes. And promptly. I want to say it was
0: like Ren Free or something mm-hmm. like that. I, I could, I'm, making that up but she's great and you you know her when you see her and she's she's like the perfect that sort of school teacher who even as she's she's clearly losing it a bit about how excited she's going to be when hitler gets it and we can end the war she's still children no calm down okay (laughs) okay and these poor dirty children with their hands behind their back like Mm -hmm. they're they're tied behind their backs are singing songs about lovely days
3: while um, heartbreaking yeah that hope that keeps you going in these horrible mm-hmm. times, even when you don't entirely believe it yourself, you just
0: yes, you you
3: sell it so hard, either to others or to yourself that, and the, uh, yeah,
0: and and there's a thing historically that after the war things didn't get better um, in uh, like food wise and stuff like mm-hmm. that in Britain. I, I I want to say that after the war, and 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 forgive me, I'm wrong here, but I I want to say like the only time they had to do like proper sort of. I don't want to. Say, I know they had to do rationing and stuff, but there were there was I forget there was something they had to do that they never had to do during the war due to shortages after the war, mm-hmm. and it may have been some sort of rationing. I'm not sure exactly what it was. But things didn't but get took, back uh,
3: to it immediately. No. It took years and years. Yeah, th- yes.
0: that that's why Churchill um, lost immediately mm-hmm. after the war. You know, it was, it was sort of like um, he was a remembrance of all this stuff they went through, and they needed they needed a clean slate, mm-hmm. and they brought in someone new, and that didn't really. Work so great for a while and um but uh but but yeah it's i mean they're they're all doing their best and and it's 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 tricky when you look at it from from overhead and you see the everyone fighting the war and everyone working together you lose track of the um the uh the, the woman who's miserable living in this awful little house with this unpleasant family in the mining town yeah and but even then when she gets back to her home it's not. It's not yeah, in London. There's,
3: like, there's really no place where she's uh, uh, can sort of be who she is, or be. It seems like a luxury, I suppose. I think for her to to be who she is,
0: and and she um, like like when they show her in in. It's interesting in the credits. They say they they one of the characters' names is like Annie, and then in parentheses, lodger. So I think like the four people we see in her, like, dad's house mm-hmm. or apartment or whatever that is. I think it's, like, her brother, her sister, and a lodger. Because mm-hmm. they used to do that a lot. Like, she was probably working in a factory yeah. or something like that while the guys were, were fighting. So she was staying there, but there's something... Like
3: wartime Airbnb.
0: Yes, exactly. They did, again, <laughs> again, they did head fair McGee and Molly during during the first half of 42. I forget the character's name, but they had a, a young woman staying with them who worked in the local factory mm-hmm. in Whistle Vista. And um, so... But, but it's funny that, like, she goes from this... Room that isn't very large in this mining town, and the whole shape of that building is a little off to me. Whenever mm-hmm. I whenever I see it, to this apartment which is just looks like they're they're like on top of one yeah. another. And Dad has the biggest face in the world, he does. you know. And it's like, Dad, could he's you bring kind of, your face down? He's got just... a
3: face that could fill a screen. <laughs> exactly.
0: It's like, oh wow, Dad. You're like it's like a face <laughs> on Mount Rushmore or something. It's just a big face. And um, but but yeah, you you see that with um. The, the dad's in, in Misery working in the mine and singing and the mom's in Misery because she has... You been, mean
3: the Phillips dad? Phillips dad. Just to be clear. Phillips dad. I'm sorry,
0: yes, Phillips, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, Phillips and the, dad. Yeah, Phillips dad. And
3: the first scene of this is oh. a train pulling away from... Uh, it's Philip and his mom. So it's childhood Philip and his mom on a train. But you just see the train pulling away and a, a person at the train station, right? That's the first shot yes, of it and I, yeah, standing on the platform at the train station. Yes. Um, and you see that it's Philip's dad waving yes, uh, goodbye just, to them.
0: Yes, he's got his hand up just... And Philip is, is kind of there.
3: Hey! And yeah. And, 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 and the mom
0: doesn't wave, I guess. Yeah, Philip and Philip's...
3: That you know, 10 year old Philip is very confused about Mm -hmm. why dad couldn't come with. And mom Mm -hmm. says it's because he has to work. And there are all these soldiers on the train with them. Um, and his mom's clearly in distress, but he just, Philip's very confused. He can't work it out. And
0: Um, and he's confused about all the soldiers. They're kind of looking at yes. his mom and he can't figure out. They're kind of eyeing his mom's knees and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't quite get what's happening. And then in one of my favorite moments, they, they go and they pass a scarecrow. Yes. And then the scarecrow kind of slightly turns and raises its hand in the same way that his dad waved mm-hmm. at him. Which is kind of like lovely. Like, Dad's, yes. Dad's with me on the trip. Even though I know he's back there. He's with yeah. me. There. Now a little later, that scarecrow becomes Hitler. But, uh,
3: <laughs> I mean, that scarecrow has... Quite an episode. So, so when you see That's him raise Scarecrow, his the yeah, has range, baby. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. So, so, but it's yeah, it really is. Um, uh, uh Philip, just it's 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 it, and and like I said, Philip's his journey in this episode is all non-linear. We start off with mm-hmm. them leaving, and then we go to him, um, uh, like up in a tree. I think probably sometime before they were leaving, trying to just sort through life and then we see him in the classroom singing and we don't know exactly when that is and then we see his mom and the guy who looks like mark Binney, who mm-hmm. could be a Binny, um having sex out in the in the, yeah. the tall grass and he sits there watching it like what is
3: yes he's up climbing a tree and sees them um they don't know he's there, obviously there, uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 really sad. And then we go back to their town, and Dad is singing. Philip's oh, yes. Dad is singing. Mom's playing piano, and Benny is there, or not Benny, but um, oh, what that uh, character, yeah, guy, that character, yeah, is there. Um, he's such a good actor, that guy. He's I good. had to check the credits because I was like, I think it's the same actor. Yes, Patrick uh, ma- 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 Mahil. I've never said his last name. Mah- Mah- something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but um because I was like is that the same actor? I think it is and yeah. it certainly is he's, he's very yeah, he's good great. yes he's and very he, good. he
0: sort of leans forward and puts his hand on and mom's shoulder yeah. and suddenly everyone in the room begins whispering whispering
3: yes it was the best and worst of small towns I felt like oh I hate that you ruined this beautiful like meeting hall for me because i that was we talked at length yeah. about this how much we loved that feeling of that community room and them all gathering together yes. and how we wanted to be there and i felt they he hit nailed it so beautifully it's like you ruined that for us like it's yeah, now become now that, the worst of a small town where everybody gossips and uh,
0: and that uh, that guy who told told him his dad should be on in lights yeah. and not here working is the one who comes by and says oh look what's going on there oh yeah, yeah. and and uh, they're singing um uh uh the Inks an Ink Spot song. It's um Do I Do I Worry? Da, 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 you bet your life I do. Aww. And it's um it's a lovely, lovely song, Ink Spot song. Mm-hmm. And um and uh, uh and yeah, and earlier on the singing detective and some others are singing Paper Doll. Yeah. Uh, which is which is which is lovely too, mm-hmm. and um, perfect choice for him. Yeah, and, and so, um, so so at this point, I mean, we really are. I guess we're yeah, we're halfway into the journey. Uh, uh, obviously, um, Marlo is getting better because he can light a cigarette by mm-hmm. himself, and he could not do that. Right. He could and not he even can turn get up. his
3: head. His there his psychiatrist, kind of tricks him into turning his head.
0: So, so he is getting better. Mm-hmm um although and 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 obviously the one part of his body that's never had a problem is still not having a problem it is not and we talked about that, that earlier mm-hmm.
3: and our uh, non-medical advice for greasing uh, yes. a penis should you need be in that position
0: <laughs> and uh, and and i you know and i feel bad that like his whole i mean he's just he's he's in misery and his whole body and yet I don't know. You know, there's some. There's still some way to get shame out of it. There's still some way to feel bad about something, Aww. and he really does kind of feel bad that 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 happens. He's he does his best not to have. He does. He anything really. Happen. Yeah, he, he
3: really does not look at it in a lascivious way. He tries to get through it without getting aroused. But I don't know who could. I don't know who could do that.
0: Yeah, that's yeah.
3: Yeah. And we <sighs> go,
0: yeah, and we lost George in this one, so I don't know. I don't remember uh, if the next.
3: Yeah, the the guy in the bed next to mm-hmm. his in the hospital. He was a dirty bugger.
0: Yeah, he was. Uh, and that's. I think that's what sparks his mind. To have it his is. mom be the East German because the uh, one of the flashback scenes with the their their um. Lily Marlene, they're, they're listening to uh, the song in, in the London flat with mom and, 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 um, and little Philip and, and mom's dad and, uh-huh. and the other people. And the dad is like, oh, listen to that German tart, Philip and uh, yeah. that bloody German tart don't swear don't say tart and then that mixes with George and his like when we got to like Berlin or whatever all these yeah. girls crawled out of the rubble and would do anything just for a cigarette or for anything yeah. and, which made him kind of sleazy. and then his Philip's mom becomes the woman the East yes. German woman who gets shot down and, yeah
3: Yeah.
1: And, Oof
0: and it it is funny to see like just as as george is kind of like really getting excited about talking about these these german girls crawling out of the rubble like to see the mix of like philip goading him on and just like there's a bit of like you gross old is is disgusted he's yeah he's like you
3: he's like you know so these people have just been bombed and you know uh, yeah he's he's disgusted by his taking advantage of I mean, raping these women. Yes, but well, yeah, yeah, for
0: a packet of cigarettes or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just, he's just. He's just as, as rotten as he gets. That just just these moments, mm-hmm. and it all it all is all tying back to these like this like this period, this the, the World War Two. Mm-hmm. I mean, because because he's telling the story about the end of World War Two, just in the same way that what we're seeing with the singing and lovely days, and with his mom and him leaving. This is all the end of World War Two. Yes. So this is this is all sort of when it's coming to the close, and the lovely days are about to begin. Yeah. and then you just keep getting these little moments that are showing that these days maybe weren't as lovely mm-hmm. as the song. Well, the song isn't actually saying it's a lovely day. No, it says it's, it's going, going to be a lovely day. Lovely day. Yeah. So yeah. even the song is like, this blows. Yeah. <laughs> but tomorrow, look out.
3: Look okay. out. Here's how we keep going. Yes, Believe exactly. These difficult days. This exactly. Believing there will be a lovely day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oof. Yeah. <laughs> Some rough stuff there, but it's yeah. a beautiful episode. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah, and um, do you have anything else on this? I think I think we've no, covered it I mean, pretty
1: good.
3: It's a it's chock full this episode. Yeah,
0: they're they're gonna they're loaded. It'll and,
3: hit you in every part of your body. <laughs> One of which we've we've covered in great One detail. One of which
0: we've uh, we've sort of, you know, g- greased in an audio fashion for you, as <laughs> it were. So so you know where that is. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's that's singing detective episode three. Um, Uh, Lovely days. I actually have forgotten what the next one is. I think it's clues, is the next one. So don't don't quote me on that. But uh, oh, and it does. And the last thing I will say is it ends with one of those a moment that I love, where um, because we've had several images throughout the first few episodes that don't mean anything to us, and this one has the image where we keep seeing the underground um, uh, subway approaching us, and you keep hearing philip mom yelling over and over mm-hmm. again and this one you see what it is they've they've arrived in london they're at the underground station presumably to go to the apartment with dad and, and everyone else, uh, uh, her dad and everyone else. And you see the the, the, tr- the train pulling up. You hear mom screaming over and over. And then you see Philip just running, right. running, running through the underground, sort of like that guy in American Werewolf in London who gets caught by the werewolf. Philip does not get caught by a werewolf, but you just see as him As far as we know. As far as we know. It ends with him like, running around the corner, and he just runs and runs away. And it's just like, ooh, ugh. Oh. Yeah. So, I guess we'll uh, leave it yeah. there and we'll see what happens well, next. We'll
3: see you for the next episode.
0: Yeah, and we'll find out, eventually, we will find out uh, who done it.
1: I hope they're
3: werewolves. And, and
0: save us all. We might, I hope there's a werewolf in it too. Oh, wait a minute. Let me look. The next episode: werewolves ah. in the underground. Hooray! Maybe the
3: guy who takes the bed next will have werewolfism.
0: Oh, my gosh.
3: Or maybe he'll just be very hirsute.
0: Oh yeah, it's a real hairy guy like that, mm-hmm. Father Ted, the guy in Father the Father Ted episode, I'll the one take old priest. Yeah. All right. So thanks everyone for listening.
3: See you next week for hairy hospital beds.
0: <laughs> hairy hospital beds with Dan and Madeline. <laughs> bye bye guys. Bye. Talk to you next time. Bum bum. All right, everyone. That was episode one hundred and four of Adventure Super Train. Thank you so much for listening. I think it's a good mix of shows, a good mix of hosts going on right now, and I, I'm glad. Uh, Everyone who's enjoying is enjoying, and if you're not enjoying, well, you can find something else to listen to. There's tons of podcasts out there, none as great as this one. Well, anyway, uh, at eSuperTrain1 Twitter, eventually SuperTrain uh, Facebook. Uh, Danny, D A N Y, Slacks, S L A C K S, at yahoo.com if you want to email me. Or you can uh, leave a comment on eventually Hooray! So that is that. That is um, the end of this episode. And, uh, I don't have re- anything really else to, uh, to say. So let me p- play out with a bit of this. <laughs>